Hello, this is Tim Watton. Welcome to The Gift Podcast, which focuses on mindfulness, the power of the mind, and being more present to overcome life and health challenges, which is bringing more uh, calm, resilience, and joy into our lives. I'm utterly thrilled as my guest this week to introduce you to Aaron Aby. And Aaron is a professional MMA fighter. So for those that, well, a few of you that may not know what MMA is, uh, it's mixed martial arts. And he'll explain more about what that is. Um, and also he is a coach, an MMA coach. He also has cystic fibrosis, as do I. Um, he, but he's a CF athlete. That's how he describes himself. And I like that. And, and more pertinently, He's a cancer survivor, so Aaron's been through quite a lot. Um, so, my friend, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tim. Now, where are you based? I'm based in Wrexham in North Wales. Wrexham in North Wales. So you are Welsh? I am Welsh. You're the second Welsh person I've had on my show. Sorry you're not oh, the first. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm I'm mopping the ante with the Welsh, our Welsh yeah. friends. Um, so, if it's possible, if you if you and I were just getting in the lift, and we had thirty seconds or so, well, maybe a bit longer, sixty seconds to get to the bottom, what would you say is your life in a nutshell? My life in a nutshell is complicated. I would say. Uh, I was born with cystic fibrosis. I was diagnosed when I was two weeks old. Uh, through my cystic fibrosis journey, I've never let that hold me back. I've uh, participated in professional football. Uh, I've run cross country. I've done any sport going. I've also become a mixed martial arts fighter. Uh, I competed at the highest level. I've been ranked in the top 10 in that. I also coach uh, the sport mixed martial arts as well as strength and conditioning. Uh, I've got a degree in sports coaching. Uh, I'm a cancer survivor as of this year as well. So obviously that was a complicated journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it really. What tender age are you now? I'm 29. 29. So the big three O is looming what date? Uh, February. So imminent. Imminent, yeah. And how does that feel? Uh, to be is honest, it just another year? I don't want it to come. I feel you don't like, want it to come. No, I've had such, I had, I've had such a uh, good life up to this point. I'm like. Oh, no, I don't want to keep getting old. Take me back to school. Okay, so who, you're talking to somebody whose next big milestone is two years away, and that's 50. So yeah. um, I, I, I remember 29 with fondness. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for those who don't appreciate um, big milestones for anybody with a chronic uh, illness, they are uh, figurative uh, ages that we all hope to make 30 is certainly one big one and then 40 
sadly, not many people with our illness CF really get there, let alone where I'm aiming, which is 50. And so we have a, we, we're close to sort of our mortality, more closer than we ought to be, more closer than all our peers. And we aim for these milestones um, and we appreciate when we get there. I think that's the best way to describe it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, outside that's of what it, I think, done, like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think like that's a, that's a thing. Thirty to us is a is a lot bigger milestone than it would be to somebody without a condition like cystic fibrosis. Uh, yeah, that's why I think part of me is like doesn't want it to come a little bit, and then when it does come, obviously I'm going to look back on. I've had a great 30 years, even though I've had uh, some of the situations I've been put in and I've still had a great 30 years. And I think like when I look back on it, it like it, it's been awesome and I just don't want it to change if you get me. And that, that's my aim for, you know, the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years after. Okay. Well, uh, and I sincerely hope you extend that. Um... Outside of how you explain yourself, what might be something about your life that very few people realize? So even maybe your close family friends and fellow fighters, if you is there something that they're going, oh my gosh, didn't know that about Aaron? Uh, that's a, a tough one. And one I don't think, I, I like to be quite open with people uh from from when I meet them, so I think it, if you know me, you do know me uh, I used to and the reason for this is when I was growing up and I was playing football when I was like a kid from age probably eight upwards, I used to hide the fact that I had cystic fibrosis because mm -hmm. i i didn't I didn't want it to affect any outcome, whether that was like being picked because people felt sorry for me or not being picked because of the condition I had. So I actually hid the fact that I had cystic fibrosis up until like the age I was like, in the sporting environment, so the age I was like 17 and 18, you know, I was representing my country and stuff, and I didn't like want it to be in the paper that I had cystic fibrosis or anything. Uh, so it was like after the point I stopped playing football was when I decided I didn't like want to hide anything anymore mm -hmm. uh, so I think I am quite open as it as in the fact that if you know me you're going to know a lot about me uh, other than like small details that I can even think of to answer that question yeah so you've heard of Pandora's box and once yeah. you open Pandora's box and you are open it's hard to be piecemeal and just basic about it you tend to let everyone know um, yeah, um, if, if if people ask me, I'll answer any question. Hmm. Now, I know you've had lots of life and health setbacks, and we're probably going to delve into um, certainly the cancer side of this a bit more. Yeah. But what what do you think you've learnt from any life and health setbacks? What personally have you taken from them? I think that especially with the cancer one, with the latest one, you know, all sorts of questions 
come up into your head while you're going through it. And I feel like every battle that I went through before the cancer got me through the cancer. You know, I was I was told multiple times uh, that death was a highly likely scenario. You know, my parents were told maybe to prepare a will for me, uh, which is not nice. And I think I had to like question myself, but everything that has got me to where I am today got me through the cancer. And I think looking back on it now, I've come out the other end. I realize that's the traits that I've been born with, uh, not born with, but grew up with and mm. learned through cystic fibrosis, through sport, from my from my family, from my friends, got me through the cancer. Because uh, that was like the, the, the biggest uh, challenge I've ever had to face uh, in any any journey, whether that's cystic fibrosis, sport or life. And I think... I learned that everything that had been important to me before that point, every principle that I'd followed before that point, every belief that I had before that point got me through that cancer. Yes, and there's one word that I um, reference every time I speak about the gift, and the gift can mean many things to many people, Uh, but the word resilience is one that underscores this podcast and its meaning. Yeah, and I f- perpetually see people out and about, whether it be at work, because I'm a pen pusher, unlike you, who uh, actually uh, is a very physical being. Uh, mm. But I, 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 you know, communicator, so I work in an office, and people, um, they get, they worry, and they get stressed about really very small stuff, and their resilience yeah. level is minimal. And it's like a muscle, you must flex resilience, whether you'd like it or not. And people with our illness, so CF, and then you've got the double whammy of cancer, the resilience is being flexed every single minute almost. And therefore, yeah. it's not something you have to pull out the drawer on a bad day. It's every day, every hour. And therefore, it's a lot more primed as your natural instinct. Is that, is that how you see it for you? Yeah, I, I I would I use that analogy all the time that uh, resilience is a muscle that you train. Like I, I don't think you're born with it. Uh, <laughs> we've been fighting since the day I was the day we were born. You know, me, me and you, and other a lot of other people as well. And that's what I mean. Every challenge uh, that you come along the way, and I also think sport teaches resilience as well. That's why I'm a bit big advocate of sport and children doing sport and just just learning lessons through sport through life because i i think mixed martial arts that translates to life uh and life translates to mixed martial arts and i definitely see resilience as a muscle and every challenge i got through before helped me get through the cancer yeah uh, in the end and and that's something that you know, people people say to me, you know, this this might uh, the cancer might change your life. It might make you more relaxed and uh, like might ch- change who you are. But 
the thing for me is it made me believe in who I was more than actually changed who I was. Yeah. Now we will delve more into uh, how you overcame uh, cancer shortly, but one thing you sort of reference there that I really want to ask you about is the power of exercise. Now you and I both know that we are exceeding our life expectations because of the exercise we have done. Uh, I was a field hockey player and still occasionally do. And now I go to the gym. Um, and you uh, were, as you said, a, football, a really good football player. And then you got into um, mixed martial arts. What would be your aha moment where you um, knew that exercise was keeping you healthier than you expected to be? It was probably in school uh, when I was doing a science class in secondary school. <laughs> and uh, that's what I mean. I, I kept like CF close to my chest a little bit unless it was between my close friends growing up. And uh, my biology teacher was telling, reading like a, an abstract from a book saying like the life expectancy of people with cystic fibrosis, they'd be lucky to live past they were 16 and I'd see like people who knew look at me in the class and he was saying that they find it hard to exercise and started reeling off loads of facts about cystic fibrosis. Wait a did that and, biology uh, teacher know about your CF at that point? No. Ah, so that's quite an interesting, yeah. if I put myself in your shoes there, He's talking about your illness. He doesn't know you've got it because he'd be mortified at that time that he was being so obvious. Yeah. And you're thinking those in the class that know you were looking at you going, bloody hell, he's got that. I mean, that, that's yeah. really, if you distill down one moment in your life where it sort of hammers at home, was it that? Yeah, it was, it was that. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> like... I went home and I asked my mum and dad questions that day <clears throat> about what what he'd read, and I was like, "Why don't I know this?" And because they'd like never treated me like a cystic they'd like never wrapped me up in cotton wool, mm. never like would say you can't do that because you've got cystic fibrosis, or like reel off any of the negative facts about it. That they brought me up to like believe that you know, I could achieve anything and they almost like hid those things from me because they didn't want the realities of like what they were, they'd been told would be my life to happen for me. You know, like when I was diagnosed, it's probably the same with, with you and my parents didn't know what cystic fibrosis were. They were given a booklet to go away and read, which was just full of negative facts mm. oh, about yeah. cystic fibrosis. So they they were ones to not not push them, you know, they set a positive environment from the day I was born and that stemmed through to me. So that when I was when I was told those negative things in the class, that was something that did upset me at the time and like when I went home then I started researching cystic fibrosis and looking into myself and I and that's when I realised like all the exercise I'd been doing and uh have been so beneficial for me and ha helping me because I was the fittest in, in my class. I was, I was the fittest in the year. Like I had the, the record for the 1500 meters in the whole school 
since the school had started at the time. So I was, I could like back that up with what I was achieving and, 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 and I'd achieved before, but that was probably my aha moment really. Okay. That was like, now, um, I think I've told you before, because just for the listeners benefit, Aaron and I have never met because people with cystic fibrosis aren't allowed to be in the same space because of the risk of cross infection. But we, as a lot of people with CF do, do communicate via social media. And that's how I actually first found out about you. And so we've texted each other quite, quite often. Now, I'm a, a fight fan, but I'm more of a boxing fan. And I consider it uh, in the sort of top two or three physical pursuits that one could ever do, uh, just for it, the physical intensity of how fit you need to be to, to, to do it. Not just sparring, but actually being an octagon for you or a boxing ring for others and actually being a professional contest or an amateur contest. So you were somebody that, even though I'm a lot older than you, I thought, here's a good lad. He's going not just basic exercise to stay fit, but he's pushing the envelope to be an MMA fighter. Uh, and I instinctively knew how bloody grueling and tough that is. And so I had utter respect for you, just from every respect, but the respect, the fact that you put yourself uh, in a position to be um, to have someone fight you and you fight them, but there's no hiding place in the ring, is there? They're not going to go, well, this chap's got CF, I'll not hit him so hard. You're actually looking to try and level each other. And most people with chronic conditions won't ever put them be be that vulnerable and put their their illness to such an aside. So, how do you feel about getting putting yourself in that position? Because MMA is brutal. Boxing isn't exactly a walk in the park, but I, the MMA fights that I have watched, it's bloody hard work, and you're losing yeah. every pretty pretty much every part of your body to inflict damage or get a submission out of the opponent. Yeah, I've, I've never like, like I said, my, my upbringing was always positive and I'd never grown up to think that my illness was a hindrance and like obviously I played sport, every, every sport going as a child and like when I decided mixed martial arts was the one I was going to like pursue and stick at through uh, my later teens. And uh, it was just one of the things that excited me about it was the challenge of it. Mm. And because of how competitive it was, but also because like I said earlier, I think mixed martial arts translates to, to life and when you're in there and you're competing and you're fighting against someone else, you go through adversity. You have to train and work your resilience. You have to use your mind to to win in good situations or in bad situations. There's going to be times where the odds are against you and you've got to still have that self-belief to pull through. Uh, you're also going to learn that by practicing something up to the, up to the fight. You can then translate it into the fight so you learn about hard work uh, you also learn to 
control your emotions because you can't get over aggressive. So like that, that has always interested me and uh, the the similarities between mixed martial arts and life. And I don't like see myself any more vulnerable than than my opponent when we compete. Uh, like when I'm healthy, especially like, and uh, I go into it and. Like that that's what interests me about it the most is is that me be someone else we're locked we're locked in there, there's no running, and it's who's the toughest and the best on the night and I've always been known as a fighter for not taking that backward step uh and being a forward pressure fighter, and I think that's because of being born with cystic fibrosis and constantly fighting from from the day we were born and mm. like i growing up watching Rocky films and story mm. the underdog and just, just moving forward and that that's how I see it and that that's why I love it. Yes, and uh just for those who don't fully appreciate CF, uh there's never a day off with our meds and we do a lot every day. There's no uh, remission. So the every single day we need to show up and take take it on and actually in the public speaking i do aaron you may not be aware of this but i have a couple of slides that are related to boxing because yeah. i often i just actually see it as a boxing fight every day um and you often will be against the ropes on some days and you really just need to start just trying to defend yourself and throw some sort of speculative punches back and other days, maybe you feel a tiny bit better and you can be in the middle of the ring on your feet and really trying to dictate life. And the, the, each day the bell rings again and you've got to be ready for it. Um, and now you've taken that one extra step by actually getting into the ring itself, not just the theoretical ring. Yeah, and that, that's right. Like, like that's a good analogy, what you said now. So some days you're in the middle, you're dictating the pace of the fight, and then other days you're just looking to get through that round. Uh, and the, <clears throat> again, like, like obviously experiencing it, that's the same whether it's that's the fight or whether that's life. Yes, and there's also we, we, when we um, have uh, IV treatments or when we're really unwell, and I'm not, I'm going through quite a tough period now having had a really awful virus during Christmas, um, that, again, using the boxing analogy, you do have to take a knee and just take a count um, to draw breath long enough to get back up and start fighting. Yeah. You just don't ever want to be KO'd, do you? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> as long what, as you've got that chance, not you're with a fight. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, CF, I, I'd see it as a competition to outlast it. Yeah, you've got to you you've got to respect it because it's like full of banana skins every day, um, and I'm just going through one now with this cold because a cold affects our lungs worse than anyone. Um, yeah. the, the return to fitness is a long-lasting one, so we know once we get a cold, the doom's coming. Um, but I was just going to say, what, what would be the hardest and easiest thing about actually being a fighter 
you you the but you know i i think an um a buzzer rings I, in the octagon but when you're waiting there because um, i've never spoke to an mma fighter so yeah. whether you had cf or not this is interesting to me when yeah. you're waiting there what's the what thoughts go through your head um because you've got to be very confident to even be in there i can't imagine any fighter yeah. stands there going oh my god that guy's built like a brick privy i've got no chance they're like this guy's barely can take what i've got i can't wait for that bell to go is is that how you feel yeah uh, truthfully you do ha- you do still have doubts and you you, uh, you never think oh this guy's gonna kill me or oh, i've got no chance here you're always thinking thinking about you know because it's still a performance thing as well in the night and like I, i'm standing across and i'm just thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna play my game i'm gonna perform the best as i can and i'm I'm always excited i'm never like i like i say I, every time i step in there i feel like oh, i'm fortunate to be doing it and I appreciate it, so I always make sure I'm enjoying it and I'm excited by excited by it. I'm never in there thinking, "What the hell am I doing?" Uh, like I was maybe earlier on in my <clears throat> career, I was like, "Have I got nothing better to do than go and fight someone in a cage in a pub?" Uh, but obviously, as the sport's growing and I've got on bigger shows and bigger arenas, I love every minute of it. But you do what you you still have those doubts as you do with life, as you do with with anything there's going to be but you just gotta you know talk your way through them and and like analyze them without any emotions and i'm always i've always like aimed to go in there well prepared so i know i've put in the work before i've never gone in there under prepared or under trained or slacked off before i'm doing everything i can before i get in there to give myself the best possible opportunity of winning and as long as I can step before the fight starts and I'm across there and I'm looking at my opponent and I know I've done that, I can't ask for anything else. Now, do your opponents are aware that you've got CF, though I can only assume, like with general population, so few really appreciate what it is and how tough it is. Yeah. Um, do you feel that they're affected by that? No, not one bit. Like the last guy I fought uh, after my comeback fight uh, from from cancer, you know, I'd had two years off and the guy's trying to take my head off and probably elbowed me about 50 times in the head. Uh, we're, we're in there. It takes a certain mindset to get in there and I, I don't think they're affected about it anyway. I think, you know, one thing I do tend to gain from most of my opponents is respect uh, and they have my respect and uh, I'm not sure if, I just think that's because of everything I've been through and also who I am as a person yeah. and hopefully I've earned that I've earned that respect and uh, they, they do show me respect but when the bell goes uh, it's it's about who's who's going to win and yeah, like, I don't think they're ever yeah, that's yeah. It. it. As I said, um, it is a brutal sport. I can't get around that. And um, it, yeah, it's it's just one of those things that uh, they 
they may look into the illness more after a fight. And they go, oh my God, I fought him, did I? And he had that. Yeah. Because really, when you're leading up to a fight, I can assume it's just really focusing on getting yourself right and, and trying to win. Um, because it's not well known, the illness. Our illness isn't so well known. No, I have thought one person who's a coach in a pre-fight interview said they would they were just going to get me out the first round because with my cystic fibrosis, they know I wouldn't be able to last in round two and three. And uh, I remember I won won uh, all three rounds, and at the end, I was uh, shouted, "Who who won't last three rounds?" At the end of the fight, because uh, wow. that was a bit of extra motivation I needed before the fight. Did, they, uh, so did that I person think, speak to you after the fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, now uh, they're very supportive and and stuff. And I think that I changed their opinion mm. as well, of and uh, give them a more positive outlook. Good, good. Now. Um, we are going to talk about your cancer diagnosis. And where where in your body was the cancer? So the cancer started in my testicle. Mm-hmm. And then it went to my uh, lymph masses in my stomach. Okay. And so what year did that get diagnosed? 2017. Okay. Now I've seen photographs of you in your hospital and... You know, it's a contrast to you when you're in the octagon boxing, or, or sorry, MMA yeah. ring, where you're a bit ripped and you you just look physically well. You just uh, understandably looked from all the treatment, look very gaunt and not you. Uh, do, yeah. you do you remember that transformation in your body and how you felt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like... I basically felt like I was dying without dying. Uh, I couldn't do 5% of the things I can do on a normal day. You know, walking upstairs was a struggle. Places hurt that I didn't know could hurt. Joints hurt. Uh, Breathing was hard. It was a, a challenging time. And are you in remission now? I'm in remission now, yeah. I got all, I had a, a operation in February this year, which was basically uh, be cured or not be cured. Uh, potentials of dying in the operation on the operating table. Uh, potentially if if the cancer was too bad or they they can perform the operation when they open me up, that would have been it. But fortunately enough, I had a good surgeon. He did a good job and I've come out the other end. Excellent. And uh, from a distance, I was um, obviously spurring you on, as I'm sure, because yeah. you do have a big fan base. Many were. And, and they probably yeah. felt, hasn't he had enough? that he gets that as well. That I suppose was yeah. one of my emotions and no doubt your own when you first get the diagnosis. It's like, am I not suffering enough? Yeah, um, part of me at the start thought it was, um, I was like, no, like I remember I went, and then this was like my fourth time back there with 
with symptoms and he was like, I'm 95% sure you've got cancer. And even that when I left there, part of me was like, oh, there's no chance that I'm going to get cancer as well. Mm. Like, even though he said there's 95% chance, he's like, I've booked you in for a scan, but I left that still thinking, no, I'm not going to have cancer because of everything else I've had to deal with. But it, it was what it was. And, I had to switch my mindset as soon as I knew it was cancer, 100%. Yeah, now, I've just um, finished reading a book that I've been meaning to read for a long time, and that is Viktor Frankl's book um, about his years in the concentration camp during the Holocaust, and it's called yeah. Man's Search for Meaning. And based, the basic essence of what he's trying to say is you sort of learn your purpose and meaning through suffering. Uh, and I would say, not just with ECF, but then add in getting through your cancer. You probably understand that better than most. Yeah, I think that, um, like, when I was going through it, like, part of my motivation and to keep fighting was the fact that I wanted to use me getting through it after to to give other people hope and inspire other people mm. um, and like I said my my life isn't meant to be perfect but hopefully it can give people hope and that's my aim yeah now having such a uh, a life changing or challenging uh, condition like cancer on top of your already life-limiting CF. Did it transform you in it even more? Or it was just building blocks on what you already knew uh, as mentally and physically being resilient? Yeah, it, it basically, like, it, it built blocks. Uh, everything that the, the cystic fibrosis had taught me or life had taught me up to that point got me through it. And, like it was almost like I had to just call upon those things and call upon those principles and lessons I'd learned from the past and, and train them up to be stronger, to get through it. Uh, the cancer was the hardest journey I ever been through and hopefully will ever go through, but it just made me, like I said, believe in who I was more and call upon everything I'd learned before to, to get me through it there there are obviously some things <clears throat> i've hopefully changed and a, a little bit but uh more, most importantly i feel like what got me through it was everything that i'd been through before okay um i, I can understand that um one thing that um you've probably had to draw on the most is the power of the mind and the podcast, this podcast, the gift does focus in on the power of the mind, which is something that I think a lot of people underplay or don't fully appreciate that we are uh, our, our thoughts. And I'll, I'll always say in this podcast, the most important person you'll ever speak to is yourself. Um, I'm conscious of the fact that, Actually, when you do get cancer, there's quite a big support network around you. 
that all come in. And I think part of that is the psychological side. Um, did you find, did you have that support? I, I did have, I did have that support. I've, I've always, you know, I'd, I'd support growing up. I've, I've got a great supportive family and I've also had great friends, you know, that, uh, there wasn't a, like a day in hospital where, you know, people hadn't come to see me morning or night. Uh, there was always people there with me and also people who, who knew me well and uh, knew how to, to treat, treat me when I was going through, through that, the tough times, you know, like sometimes I'd get a phone call off me mate and maybe I was feeling a little down and they'd uh, just like have a joke with me calling me bold or what's it like to be bold or something. And uh, some people might find that uh, offensive, but that just made me laugh and that would like pick pick my spirits right back back up because I think I've always been involved in uh, like team sports or like banter yeah. with with my friends and that's what I needed you know the fact that they weren't treating me differently just because I had cancer just because they hadn't treated me differently because I had cystic fibrosis either uh, so that them type of support people like I would never be a victim and people would never let me be a victim I remember one one uh, one day I was I was on chemotherapy and I must have been sleeping for a couple of hours and one of my close friends had come to see me and I didn't even know he'd come to see me. And then I went on my phone and looked through some pictures and there was pictures of me asleep and him like pulling faces behind me and like <laughs> sticking his two fingers up at me while I was asleep. Uh, so the, the, the support network was always great, but f mainly from the people who had always supported me. You know, one thing I, I will say is that I didn't find the cancer teams as supportive as my cystic fibrosis team, as my parents, as my family. Mm. Uh, you know, I thought, I thought it was pretty poor in a way compared to what I was used to with my cystic fibrosis uh, team. Like some days I would go in for blood tests and they wouldn't ring me back for like two weeks to tell me the results of whether my blood markers were showing like good signs or positive signs. Whereas with the cystic fibrosis team, uh, you you get in that result and you have that close knit uh, community. So it ended up with my cystic fibrosis nurse Jam uh, started to liaise with the cancer team, and and you know I would be able to phone her. She made sure she got results for me or support for me. She was coming to my house, coming to the hospital to check on me. So. It was those people that, that I'd always relied on who were there for me uh, and to support me. And like one thing as well that I struggled with was I every morning for like 10 years, I'd woke up, gone training and that would taken away from me. So like sometimes I'd, I'd wake up and obviously my family would support me when they were there, had jobs to go to, had to still work. So I'd wake up and I'd have nothing to do. Uh, so that, that's when I ended up getting my dog, uh, Lenny. <clears throat> and uh, he helped as well. Because he he gave me a focus in the mornings and stuff. And it's, it was rather me waking up thinking, oh, I'm not going training or 
I've got to have this treatment, this treatment. I'd wake up and be like, oh, where am I going to try and take my dog? Yeah. Uh, so the support network for me was there, but from the people it always has, had been there from. But when, with as, as useful as I know that support network is, in the dark moments, when it's just you and your thoughts, there's only one person that can control them, and that's yourself. Yeah. And so when I talk about the power of the mind, it really is uh, us overcoming the often negativity that our brains are hardwired to. And um, again, that resilience muscle that you flexed all your life has probably helped you. If you'd got your cancer diagnosis and you'd at that point been relatively healthy, <laughs> you probably would have had less um, groundwork in place to mentally overcome and tell yourself a better story than what in theory uh, is happening. Yeah. No, um, that, definitely. That, I remember like I, I had the first lot of chemotherapy, five lots, and the cancer had gone. And then four weeks later, the cancer had come back. And uh, I went into a dark room and I just basically just cried and was like, I'm, I'm, I asked God for help. And then I remember I was in there and I was, I was upset. And then I just said to myself, the only person that can help me is me. I was like, I can't ask any, anyone for help. I can't rely on anyone. The only person that can get me through it was me. And then that was like almost my, me going into, let's say I'm in a three-round fight and that's the end of round two, me going into that third round, biting down on my gum shield and giving it everything I got. And I think when the cancer had come back the second time, that, that was like when I was like, right, I'm going to push through this and it is as hard as I can. Yes, and I can only just sort of put myself in your shoes there and it, it would have been a very dark time, but you've now got through which again is evidence that um, as tough as situations can be, um, often, often, they're only uh, a small window of a life and you just do need to um, hold your nerve. And I, I know that can come across in a very didactic uh, way, which means like I'm trying to be all, um, uh, how, look look what I know and you don't know anyone and no, I'm not talking about you but just listeners may think oh, this guy is preaching at us but actually I mean I'm having some pretty tricky moments with my CF right now but I'm perpetually telling me telling myself but you got through tough moments like this before Tim and you were back playing sport again you know so it, you've got you've got the experience and the know-how to get through these dark times. <coughs> Pardon me. Is that, um, and so having gone through that for you with the cancer and you now have had your, your first professional fight since, you know, you know that you've got even more levels of resilience and um, the, the power of the mind for you is, is strong as ever. One other element of this podcast is about being present. 
Uh, and I've asked you, um, what is your best version of being present? And I did wonder whether it might be when you're about to start uh, an MMA fight. Is that the ultimate in being in the moment? But let me know if it's not or it's one of them. No, or... it, it, it just, that's as soon as like the bell goes, that's when like it almost like time slows down and you're not like that's when you're in the zone. And even when, when I'm training as well, like I get that same feeling. That's what I also love, you know, like you might have all these things going on outside of life and all these problems you're battling. But then when I step on the mat to train, I don't think about anything else when I'm, when I'm competing and the bell goes, I don't think of anything else. I'm just, I'm just in the moment, and that—that's that, when I'm most present. Yeah. And what might be one daily habit uh, or routine that you do that contributes to your success? I, I would just say getting up and doing it every day. I get up and I've got goals, or I've set set targets I'm going to do, or I, I always like when I physically able, I do stuff. I never like let excuses hold me back. Cause you know, I've tried like meditating and, and things like that. And I know like people who were listening to this might want to, especially January start the gym and they're thinking of starting the gym and, but it scares them, but they don't actually do it because of that fear. Like I'll never let fear hold me back or anything if I'm going to do something I'll do it and I think that's probably my best my best trait is I'll always give it my all and if I'll never let like anything hold me back and yeah. like I know it's it's a, it's a simple thing but it's not you know like people always want to start these new habits or they they want to uh do these challenges and they they never actually get around to doing them but i'm always wanting that if i'm going to do something i'm going to do it well it's with any habit you've just got to start it and then yeah exactly. over time improve it and instead of practice makes perfect i now say and i make no apology about saying this in every podcast practice makes progress but if you never start something like going to the gym you'll never make progress um, no. And don't expect it to be, you know, a world-beating <laughs> session the first time. I remember when I yeah, first went no. to the gym, and I was a late adopter. You know, you're a yeah. bit younger than me, so you were probably advised of going to the gym as part of your sort of CF care. I literally was in my late 30s, or in fact, maybe early 40s when I first went to the gym. Literally stepped into the gym for the first time. That's how late yeah. adopter I was. And the first couple of times, I was like... But everyone must be looking at me going, who's this puny idiot? But actually, yeah. in a gym, just as one example, everyone's into their own thing. The music's blaring. You can pretty much yeah, nobody. go unnoticed. Um, and, and, yeah. and do you just build up the weights, build up the running, whatever it might be that you do there. And then people do box fit, don't they? And they do classes. Yeah. Just gently build it up. And... Yeah. Know that actually five minutes is better than no minutes. Yeah, exactly. And you're competing with yourself. 
and you're aiming to be a better version of yourself. And by going to the gym and or whatever, you're looking to improve yourself. That's progress, and that's that what you're progress. aiming for. Yeah. Now, on the subject of books, um, because one book that is sort of reference to a comment you made a minute ago would be Susan Jeffers' book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. But what, yeah. what, what would be one book that you've got the most from? So, yeah, like, I feel like I've taken bits from a lot of books that I've read and, and uh, put them together, just like I try and take, like, good habits from, from people and put them together, make them one. Like, if you ask me for one role model, I probably couldn't give it you. But if you ask me for certain things from certain people I could put I could make my own role model into into one person so I, I've read a lot of good books like The Obstacle is Away which is a good book uh, I've read books on like nutrition which have altered the way I eat and, and had a big impact on my health I've read like biographies like Uriah Fabers who was a, is an MMA fighter who I look up to and and I took took things from his book. I've read some of Tim Ferriss's book, uh, yeah. like the Four Hour Body, and mm-hmm. took stuff like that. So I, 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 you know, if you if you come come in my office at home, there's probably a hundred books there. And like when you ask me this question, not one sticks out, but bits from all of them stick out. Uh, and and try, I always like try and try and read books on different subjects as well, and just take things from there. Okay. I had primed you earlier that you had to mention my book, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting. I, I, was, I was waiting. No, for just, you giving to you do that. just giving you time. Just giving you time. I'm joking. But um, uh, writing a book is something that maybe you've got the gift for. So have a think about that. And I'm happy I to, will. to chat to you as I do writing for a living. Um, if you ever want to do that and look into that, Aaron, do personally connect with me because there's certain yeah, thanks, things you need to map out with on. getting it done. Yeah, people are always on to me about doing it. Uh, I'm writing one. I just like I I appreciate the the skill uh, of writing a book and also the time it takes to write a book. That's maybe something I will get get round to in the future, and I'll, I'll definitely hit you up, but. It's not something I feel, I feel like I would need advice in before I I started doing it because I do. It's not so easy just writing down your own thoughts on on a word document. Um, and I started with a blog, um, which still goes on every now and then called Postcards from Earth, and that allowed me just to write very short little stories or testimonies just to get people's feedback. You're not then having to get a whole book written and then see. You're starting something that people can read and get <laughs> instant feedback on. So that again, that might be a way that you dip your toe into the writing world. But yeah, um, yeah let's stay in touch on that one. Um, yeah, last couple of questions. What's what's your best day ever and why? Again, I I cannot answer with one best day and I don't think 
also people should aim for a best day almost because I was like thinking about it and I was like well that was a good day but then that was a good day and I don't want to like always be aiming to have these really good days when I don't appreciate the little things about days mm-hmm. uh, as well like obviously uh, being being cancer cancer free was a good day but couldn't really enjoy it because I was sore from the operation uh, making my comeback was a great day because that was like for me ending my my cancer journey uh, you know going to one of my best friend's wedding as a kid growing up was a good day representing my country in football was a good day getting my dog was a good day you know so many I can't I, like when you, I, I can't pick one one day that sticks out okay. uh, I, I can understand that and I would probably name similar milestones as yourselves yeah, but, that's but it. every and day I, has the like, portents of being brilliant, or even on the yeah, pretty average that, day, that, you can it. find moments that are really worth living for. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And like, I got my brown belt a, a couple of weeks ago in in jujitsu, so and that, that that was a good day, but no better than getting my purple belt or my blue belt. You know, that's it. I feel like I don't. There's so many good parts of life uh, that I can't pick one that stands out. Okay. And lastly, um, as this podcast is called The Gift, if you were to unwrap a gift for listeners in the form of a message, quote, or salient advice, what might that be? My advice would be be true to yourself. Uh, And that is achieving things that deep down you want to achieve and I feel like there's good in everyone and there's a there's hope in everyone and just be be true to that hope be true to be true to who you want to be and you can always be happy uh, as long as you're true to yourself uh, and have that courage and determination to to follow them truths through that's very sound advice and thank you and should people listeners want to get in contact with you how can they do that uh so you can find me on like the usual social media i'm just aaron ab on facebook or at aaron ab mma on instagram and twitter if people ever want to hit me okay so thanks very much for that You've been a wonderful guest. Me. Uh, as I said to you before we started recording, you were somebody that typified everything I wanted in a guest. So I'm so pleased I finally got you on the show. And who's to Thank say I won't, I won't get you back for more? And you can tell me yeah. uh, once you got past 30. And uh, yeah. uh, good luck with that milestone. It's just one Thank day you. and then you look for the next big milestone. That's what happens. Um, so thanks, thanks for those that are listening and do subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't, tell others. That's really important. And yeah. if you want to hear more about me, Tim Watton, then you can at timwatton.com and at Tim Watton on all social media. 
So I leave you, as I always do, yours cup half full. Thank you for listening.